Get this full audiobook for free by clicking now the link in the description. It's brought to you by The Book Guide. As serious as a heart attack. Maybe those were Ken Kramer's last words, like a final explosion of panic in his mind as he stopped breathing and dropped into the abyss. He was out of line, in every way there was, and he knew it. He was where he shouldn't have been, with someone he shouldn't have been with, carrying something he should have kept in a safer place. But he was getting away with it. He was playing and winning. He was on top of his game. He was probably smiling. Until the sudden thump deep inside his chest betrayed him. Then everything turned around. Success became instant catastrophe. He had no time to put anything right. Nobody knows what a fatal heart attack feels like. There are no survivors to tell us. Medics talk about necrosis and clots and oxygen starvation and occluded blood vessels. They predict rapid, useless cardiac fluttering, or else nothing at all. They use words like infarction and fibrillation, but those terms mean nothing to us. You just drop dead, is what they should say. Ken Kramer certainly did. He just dropped dead, and he took his secrets with him, and the trouble he left behind nearly killed me, too. I was alone in a borrowed office. There was a clock on the wall. It had no second hand, just an hour hand and a minute hand. It was electric. It didn't tick. It was completely silent, like the room. I was watching the minute hand intently. It wasn't moving. I waited. It moved. It jumped ahead six degrees. Its motion was mechanical and damped and precise. It bounced once and quivered a little and came to rest. A minute. One down, one to go. Sixty more seconds. I kept on watching. The clock stayed still for a long, long time. Then the hand jumped again. Another six degrees, another minute, straight up midnight, and 1989 was 1990. I pushed my chair back and stood up behind the desk. The phone rang. I figured it was someone calling to wish me a happy new year. But it wasn't. It was a civilian cop calling because he had a dead soldier in a motel, 30 miles off post. I need military police duty, officer, he said. I sat down again behind the desk. You've got him, I said. We've got one of yours, dead. One of mine? Soldier. Where? Motel, in town. Dead how? Heart attack, most likely, the guy said. I paused, turned the page on the Army issue calendar on the desk from December 31st to January 1st. Nothing suspicious, I said. Don't see anything. Seen heart attacks before? Lots of them. Okay, I said. Call post headquarters. I gave him the number. Happy New Year, I said. You don't need to come out? No, I said. I put the phone down. I didn't need to go out. The Army is a big institution, a little bigger than Detroit, a little smaller than Dallas, and just as unsentimental as either place. Current active strength is 930,000 men and women, and they are as representative of the general American population as you can get. Death rate in America is around 
865 people per 100,000 population per year. And in the absence of sustained combat, soldiers don't die any faster or slower than regular people. On the whole, they are younger and fitter than the population at large, but they smoke more and drink more and eat worse and stress harder and do all kinds of dangerous things in training. So their life expectancy comes out about average. Soldiers die at the same speed as everyone else. Do the math with the death rate versus current strength, and you have 22 dead soldiers every single day of every single year. Accidents, suicides, heart disease, cancer, stroke, lung disease, liver failure, kidney failure. Like dead citizens in Detroit or Dallas. So I didn't need to go out. I'm a cop, not a mortician.